Fishing for a show aimed at the outdoor enthusiast? Tune in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, Saturday at 10 a.m. and 5 p.m. Eastern on Rural Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 147, and on the Sirius XM app. Welcome in to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops. If you love fishing, hunting, and the great outdoors and want to make it even better, you're in the right place with host Rob Keck. Your adventure starts right here. Good morning and welcome, and thanks for tuning into Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, where truly your adventure starts right here. I hope you're having a wonderful weekend social distancing somewhere in the great outdoors. On this week's show, there we're talking about whitetails and the many elements that make pursuing them the crown jewel of hunting. The magic of deer hunting, it's captivated hunters young and old from north to south, east to west, and for many generations. There's more deer hunters than any other type of game pursued, and as a result, they drive hunting license sales and hunting equipment sales, which are an important element to funding a broad range of conservation initiatives. So, Before you go to that hunt, head on out to Bass Pro Shops Cabela's for everything you'll need for big game and small game alike. And I can tell you the waterfowl selection cannot be beat. Well, don't forget that large selection of hunting gear online as well. Check us out at BassPro.com and Cabela's.com. And at checkout, please consider rounding up your purchase for conservation in support of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor Fun. Well, as mentioned today, we're talking about whitetail deer with the icon of the whitetail world, the host of Growing Deer TV, Dr. Grant Woods. But before we meet Grant, his communication specialist, Faith Roan. Faith, hey, welcome back. Good morning, Rob. Glad to be back with you. Gosh, what's happening over at the Pyramid? Well, we are very excited to announce a new partnership with Mark Wahlberg and the Wahlberg family. We are introducing a unique Wahlbergers restaurant concept called Wahlbergers Wild, and that'll be located right inside Bath Pro Shops at the Pyramid in Memphis, Tennessee. Wow. If you've never been to the Pyramid, folks, it is a must-see place. Faith, have you been over there and seen just what it has to offer? You know, Rob, I used to work in the Pyramid. I'm actually from Memphis, so this is a huge win for Memphis and the Mid-South region, and I am so excited that our company gets to be a part of it. Oh, it is. It is. It's just a, it's an iconic scene from all different directions there along the Mississippi River. Well, Big Cedar Lodge, hey, there's a big, big uh, cup play taking place at Payne Valley. Tell us about that. Yes. So a few years ago, we were able to announce a partnership with Tiger Woods to open his first public access course called Payne's Valley. Um, And we will be opening that later this month in the Missouri Ozarks with a epic continental matchup between American greats Tiger Woods and Justin Thomas and European standouts Rory McIlroy and Justin Rose. Now, that's going to be televised on the Golf Channel on September 22nd. Due to COVID restrictions, we will not be able to have spectators there, but it will be live for viewers to watch and to celebrate this beautiful course in the Missouri Ozarks that is really going to showcase all that Big Cedar Lodge has to offer. Well, Big Cedar, uh, known for many, many great amenities, but, uh, I mean, it's become the golf capital of uh, the Midwest and certainly has some of the finest courses. How many different courses would you find in the Big Cedar complex? 
So this will be the fifth course to join for existing and top rated courses at Big Cedar Lodge. And, you know, those courses have been designed by some of the golf greats and the golf course designing legends. Um, Johnny Morris does not go small when he decides to build a golf course. <laughs> that is an understatement. I tell you, they're beautiful. Even if you don't golf, this is a place that you've got to see. Well, there's some other good news about customer service as it relates to Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Why don't you share that with us, Faith? Absolutely. Our Bass Pro and Cabela's Outfitters were recently recognized by Newsweek for outstanding customer service. In 16 of the 20 states that they surveyed, our retail stores were named best in state and recognized as a top customer service provider. And there were a wide range of questions that were asked to these customers about communication, professionalism, customer attentiveness, and more. So we just want to say a big congratulations to our outfitters for this recognition. What a job. And, uh, you know, we have been so blessed with people that are passionate. And uh, so often when somebody asks me about, uh, you know, a piece of equipment, whether it's a scope or a particular firearm, I tell them, I said, look, we have got outfitters that are there to help you walk you through every step of the way in understanding just what that uh, piece of equipment can do. And uh, I'll tell you, they're just uh, they're there to help. And it's exciting to to work there. And this kind of recognition is just uh, outstanding. Well, folks, make sure you check out NASCAR. We're, uh, you know, in the chase for the cup, Martin Truex uh, in the thick of things. And we're uh, just really excited about that. Anything else, Faith, that you'd like to add here before we close out this segment? No, sir. Thank you so much for having me on, Rob. All right. Well, Faith, thanks for being here. Thanks for the update. Folks, lots happening at Bass Pro Shops and Cabela's. Happy September. Well, look, we're going to move to our break. We return. We're going to be visiting with Dr. Grant Woods of Growing Deer TV. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. Sirius XM's Rural Radio is your guide to the agricultural markets. Where expert analysts and traders join our discussion live. Your information. Open up the farm and the challenges we face. You can learn how to do it for yourself. Rural Radio, your gateway to the rural lifestyle. The latest information about hunting, fishing, and more. Rural Radio is the leader in Western sports. We talk about the latest in Western sports. Professional rodeo, bull riding. Sirius XM's Rural Radio. 147. Or listen on your phone when you get out of your car with the Sirius XM app. In 1912, Theodore Roosevelt said, There can be no greater issue than that of conservation in this country. More than a century later, his statement has never been more meaningful. The Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership promotes Roosevelt's commitment to the sporting life by guaranteeing that all Americans have quality places to hunt and fish. Visit trcp.org to learn more and take action. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And for the rest of the show, we'll be joined by Dr. Grant Woods. He's been with us before, and I can tell you this renowned whitetail authority is a native of the Ozark Mountains of southwestern Missouri. And the passion that he has for deer and deer hunting led him to a Ph.D. in deer behavior and management. And over the last three decades, he's been a wildlife biologist that has worked with deer from Canada to New Zealand. And he's the host of the wildly popular weekly show about deer hunting and management at Growing Deer TV. He was recognized with the Al Brothers Professional Deer Manager of the Year Award, the Joe Hamilton Lifetime Achievement Award, and selected by Outdoor Life as one of 25 people 
who changed the face of hunting and fishing. Well, please welcome a fellow member of the Bass Pro Shops Redhead Pro Hunting Team, my good friend, Dr. Grant Woods. Grant, welcome back to Outdoor World. Rob, it's great to visit with you. I just appreciate you taking time and joining us, uh, you know, sharing that passion about deer, deer hunting and management. And I know that uh, you're going to be heading to Kentucky. Uh, well, in fact, when this airs, you're going to be in a tree stand. We're going to talk about that. But, uh, man, it's that time of year. And, you know, it's such a huge honor and a pleasure to have you back in the show. And, you know, you and I were together, uh, well, back in April. And I asked you then what you were doing during the COVID pandemic. And I think it was turkey hunting. Well, I've got to ask no. you. Turkey hunting's always been a good way for me to be, and, and I guess during the pandemic, that qualified as social distancing, so it was a great year for me. Yeah, well, I hope you closed the distance on those gobblers, but what's it been like since uh, since that time over the last several months? You know, guys, we've been great. You know, I work outside as a field biologist, so I've just been doing normal, and my family's fine. We've really been blessed during this tough season for our nation. Well, I know that uh, that goes for us, too. It's been nice not having to get on an airplane and uh, and travel and just being home with family and doing things together. I mean, it's brought people together, families together, and that's got to be certainly one of the silver linings. Well, you know, as with many hunts, anticipation sometimes outweighs realization. And I don't think anticipation comes any greater than that of a whitetail hunter when you think of all the advanced preparation. Well, you don't live in Kentucky, obviously in Missouri. How do you prepare for this bow hunt? What do you have to do to get ready? You know, I, I just enjoy shooting a bow, so I shoot pretty much year-round. But as I get closer to season, my my shooting or my practice changes. I, I use one arrow at a time and shoot random distances, of silly games, throw my hat, shoot wherever it lands or odd positions, uh, you know, and, and Kentucky is one of the early seasons in America. Now, South Carolina, of course, is already open. South Florida is already open. But Kentucky has a nice early opening, usually the first Saturday in September. So mosquitoes may be out. Grabbing a thermosail is a good thing, being prepared for that. This time of year, of course, bucks are on a food cover, food cover pattern in most areas. They're still in velvet. Testosterone levels are still fairly low, so they're getting along with each other. Likely to see bachelor groups, which means you need to be well hidden because there's going to be a lot of eyeballs coming through, not just one buck like during the pre-rut. You might be a little preoccupied. So just thinking all that through, and I want to try to find a bottleneck between food and cover. They may get the food after dark. It's a little bit warm this time of year. So finding those bottlenecks can be really key to tagging an early season buck. Yeah. You know, it's been amazing here at the house. I've seen a lot of deer activity. I mean, deer coming right through my front yard, my backyard, 1, 2 o'clock in the afternoon when it's in the high 90s. It just is amazing to me sometimes uh, that I get movement during, you know, that time of day in, in that kind of heat. Uh, when you're hunting, let's say in Kentucky, you're going to sit in a tree all day or are you going to, you know, just go pretty much morning and evening? What what's going to be your plan? Yeah, I got to tell you, those midday bucks, which does happen every now and then, are going to get a pass. I hope to be back at the cabin, man, on a you know napping or or shooting my bow or something. No, I'll hunt 
Mornings, maybe. This time of year, it could be tough to get to a morning stand because you're moving in the cool of the mm-hmm. night. Yep. And you're moving, and it's pretty likely to, you know, to alert a deer on the way to the stand or alert the deer yep. you're hunting. So, and the other thing is, mornings tend to not have much wind this time of year, if you've noticed that. Unless mm-hmm. there's a storm or a front or something, it's pretty calm in the mornings. And you can just make a big old scent cone, I call it, around you. So, I probably yep. hunt the afternoons, heat of the day, the wind picks up a little bit, and and deer likely yep. are bedded that hottest part in the afternoon so I can get into a stand without alerting deer. Yeah, yeah. Well, you mentioned thermosel. What kind of clothing do you wear? What kind of footwear do you wear in this early season when it's hot? You know, I used to be just really big on, on wearing my rubber boots, but guys are pretty hot, right? Anyone that's warm and when it's hot <laughs> outside, they're not breathing. And so I've switched to a lightweight lace-up that I – put some some no scent spray on there and and just try to keep my feet a little cooler when I'm walking into the stand uh I'm more worried about odor I'm creating going to the stand than I am I can take care of the odor that was previously on my boots or on my clothing so mm-hmm. lightweight clothing maybe even a t-shirt or just a light button-up shirt and of course I'm in camo and and a light pair of boots and I try to just ease in there is as easy as I can. But one thing I think, you know, it's easy for all of us to forget. We we do a lot of scent work here to reduce our scent, but we're still breathing. We're still respirating. And I think that's yep. probably one of the keys to to why we get busted frequently. Yeah. Well, you know, at this time of year, for some of us hunting in the low country or South Carolina, I tell you, the, the gnats and the mosquitoes are fierce. And, you know, unless you employ the thing you mentioned, a thermosel, you know, they could be eating you alive. And, I guess a question comes up. I know it comes up with other hunters. Do you know if a thermosel gives your presence away? And, you know, what 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 do you use uh, to repel those nasty, unwanted bugs? You mentioned a thermosel, but give us a thought there. You know, Rob, as you know, I, I went to Georgia and Clemson, hunted in the, in the south, coastal plain South Carolina for years. Really love it. Still have a lot of friends there. And, you know, man, when it's, like you said, 100 degrees and the mosquitoes and gnats are everywhere, I don't care if a thermosil spooks a deer or not. You know, it just makes <laughs> more pleasant. But I think it's kind of a little bit of a cover sin, if you will. I don't know that to be true. But here's how I look at it. it a deer's nose, researchers have reported that it's over 10, they have more than 10,000 nasal or scent receptors than the human does. We just can't understand what they smell. Mm-hmm. And, and and so I'm a big believer in the wind and that because Amen. I'm not sure a cover scent works, right? I mean, they smell the cover scent and they smell us too, or they smell the, the chemical components of our body more likely. So I'm not worried about thermosel. I want to have fun while I'm out hunting and swatting mosquitoes all the time isn't fun for me. So Great I'm hoping point. I have the wind right and it's blowing all the scent away from there. Well, I couldn't agree with you more. Playing that wind is certainly the key. Well, we got lots to talk about, and we got to go to our next break. We return, going to continue to explore the wonderful world of the whitetail with Grant. This and a whole lot more coming right up right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is Rob Keck, and we will be right back. We all have it. Whether it was passed down from our fathers or grandfathers, we knew it was there inside us. That need that longing to walk among the wild. But it's more than just our love of the outdoors that keeps us coming back. 
It's knowing we serve a purpose to give more than we take. That we're here to carry on a legacy and become stewards of our wildlife. This place embodies that legacy with over a mile and a half of walkable trails and 35,000 live fish, mammals, reptiles, amphibians, and birds to teach and inspire. Stop and you'll feel it. Listen and you'll hear it. Asking you to share the wonder. The Wonders of Wildlife National Museum and Aquarium. Share the wonder. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the host of Growing Deer TV, Dr. Grant Woods. Grant, uh, how's the whitetail doing? And, uh, you know, what's the status of the whitetail, especially in light of, you know, the increased number of CWD cases being reported? You know, there's been a lot of concern with some of the lesser informed hunters out there. They just, they hear bits and pieces and, uh, you know, the, the questions come up. How's how's the whitetail doing across the country? You know, I think overall it's given an A. I mean, there's a few really bad hot spots with some issues with CWD, but populations are strong. Hunting opportunities are almost omnipresent. And I think a lot of agencies and private individuals are starting to get tuned in to CWD, which means we're getting some real research. Now, I'm not... Mm-hmm. Don't want to mislead anyone. There's no cure in sight, but at least we're starting to get research. People are tuned in. Hunters are learning to debone deer where they harvest them and take the appropriate steps to limit the spread. And that's our first step, folks, is limiting the spread, buying researchers time to do some great work, and then we'll have some tools to approach this problem. Some states have just made great progress of of keeping that down. For example, Missouri, my home state, uh, over 10 years, we've had known cases of CWD, and in any part of Missouri, it's still less than 2%. Illinois, hats off to Illinois, they've had it for two decades, over 20 years that they know of. And through some pretty aggressive, you know, stopping, baiting, you know, some stuff that might not be popular, but in hindsight worked really well to their, their highest anywhere in Illinois after 20 years, I think, is right at 3%. Most of the locations are less than 1%. So we know there's some tools we can use to limit the spread until research has time to do its magic. Yep. Well, with the growing concerns over that spread, you know, most states, many states, have established travel restrictions on transportation mm-hmm. of a deer carcass across state lines or in some states, uh, even within regions within that state. So what should hunters, both resident and non-resident hunters, do to be better acquainted with these new regulations about transporting their harvested deer? You know, it's always important. I've hunted with my friends in Kentucky for years, but I still pick up, you know, a licensed guide, depending on what, where you hunt. It's called different things, a reg book. And check out regulations because they are changing. Most states have adapted a, a, a debone, you know, bring the meat home, bring a clean skull plate, no meat or anything attached to it home, bring the pelt home that the meat's been taken off of, but don't transport that nervous system, the spine or even, you know, a whole skull with the eyes because that's where the bulk of the prions, the causative agent is going to be. So, you know, mm-hmm. bring meat home. By the way, Bass Pro's website has a great video, a short video on how to debone a deer. It makes it really simple, really easy. There's a tool for everyone. 
and we want to enjoy that venison. I mean, I think during COVID more than ever, right? Many meat processors, by the way, folks, I mean, nationwide, I'm hearing this nationwide, are so far behind handling cattle and hogs due to COVID and COVID concerns that they're not going to accept any venison this year. Yeah, so we're going to talk about that. Yeah. Year. Yeah, for you and your family to process a deer and enjoy that whole extension of the hunt and just that blessing of having meat that you know exactly how it's been handled. Yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, the question comes up, I know, in many circles uh, of hunters. Uh, if a hunter harvests a deer, is there any way to detect uh, if that deer is infected with CWD uh, in the short term? Yeah, I mean, the answer is by, you know, by looking at anything like that, no, there's no way for when a deer is infected with CWD, the first 18 plus months, it shows no signs. It looks perfect. And this is really interesting, I think, for, for us hunters, Rob. There's some great work out of Wyoming, Colorado years ago when this kind of got rolling. And a graduate student had a bunch of deer, GPS collared, whatever, and doing CWD testing also. And when deer would just start feeling the symptoms, they've had it for a while, but they're feeling the symptoms, mountain lions would pick up that that deer is weaker, easier to catch. Before, it was really obvious to humans and kill that deer. So a lot of CWD-positive deer may be, you know, terminated by predators before humans really even could mm -hmm. look at it and say, oh, that deer's a little weaker. And a lot of hunters may harvest CWD deer because that old buck, you know, he's out there walking around in daylight, but he's not to the point where he's lost a lot of weight or salivating or something. And and in our brain, back at, you know, back in that stem somewhere from, you know, just from early on, we've realized, oh, that's an easier deer to harvest. So, but I want to take that one step further with all this going on and the unknowns. Let's just think about this, folks. Just a moment here. Millions of deer, and I, I mean, this literally. Millions of deer through through the past few decades have un you know just no doubt about it that had CWD have been harvested and consumed and there's not one known case of it going to humans. Now I'm not saying it can't happen. Diseases often mutate and change, yep. mm -hmm. but as of right now, Centers for Disease Control (CDC) says you know we need to be careful. We need to be wise. Certainly, no one should consume any deer that appears. So it could be just a lung infection or have some kind of infection, just a, you know, a general infection. But if a deer doesn't appear healthy or the meat doesn't smell appropriate, certainly you should not consume that deer. Sure, Otherwise, sure. venison is just such a safe source of, of meat for you and your family. I know my wife said uh, this year is a little bit different. Said we ate more venison and we eat it year round than any previous mm -hmm. year. And it was largely due to the fact that I was home. I wasn't traveling. All of it COVID-related. And uh, I thought that was an interesting thing coming from my wife. Now, let's assume uh, you are... Great observation. Yeah, great observation on her part. Yeah. Let's assume now that you're successful in Kentucky and you want to bring the antlers back. How do you clean them that they are legally clean to bring back across state lines? How do you do that? Yeah, it's a simple process. Of course, you're going to cape out the pelt, and you're going to not only just cape it, you're going to turn it inside out and flesh it carefully. Sharp knife, dull knives you tend to push really hard with, a sharp knife, and get all the meat off the inside of that pelt. And then you're going to cool it down for your taxidermist, of course. 
And then you're going to take that skull plate and, 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 you know, use a knife and even a screwdriver. Remove all the flesh you can. But remember, you don't need the whole skull. Taxidermists don't need the whole skull. You're just cutting the top of the skull plate off. And then what I do there locally, hopefully on the farm you killed it on or, you know, a mile or two away. You want to keep it really close. You want to keep it right in that area. You can use a, a, a pressure washer or even a car wash and just really blast that skull plate off well. Now, let me give you a couple of hints from experience. Don't just lay it down and blast it. Or you slide those antlers across the parking lot and scar your antlers up. But, you know, kind of get your foot on one end of the antlers. You can picture that, can't you, Rob? Yeah, you get oh, your yeah. foot on the antlers, <laughs> water pressure pointed away from you. And even, a, you know, a brush, a steel brush. Because remember, the, the skull bone, not the antlers, but skulls are never going to show. It's going to be covered by that pelt. So just just knock all the flesh off there, either with water or a steel brush, whatever, and you're good to go. You have no issues taking that home. Good. Well, look, we got a lot more to talk about. We're going to move to our next break. We return. Going to continue our conversation, explore this wonderful world of whitetails. This and a whole lot more coming right up. And I'm Rob Keck, your host here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. This is a public service announcement test from TakeMeFishing.org to determine if you need a fishing license and boat registration before heading out on the water. Let's begin. Are you a bear? Do you have a beak? Does your name rhyme with old beagle? Do you dart in front of cars? Here's a tough one. Do you have plumage? Do you rub your body against things to mark them? Do you have webbed feet? No, I mean like a... Were you hatched? Do you have fur? I'm not talking back hair. Does your boat fly south for the winter with the other boats? Regardless of how you answer, you need to be licensed and registered because it helps local conservation efforts protect the very natural resources you enjoy boating and fishing in for generations to come. Do your part at TakeMeFishing.org. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. If you've just tuned in, we're visiting with the host of Growing Deer TV, Dr. Grant Woods. Grant, I love the idea of using that pressure washer to clean it up. Now, with many hunters now, you know, moving towards, uh, you know, maybe more and more European-type mounts, and uh, they want to bring the whole skull back. Talk to us about that, because you got some brain uh, matter that needs to be removed, and, uh, you know, how do we do that so that we're legal coming back across the line? Yeah, you know, a practical thing is, again, you use an instrument, maybe a screwdriver, and, and go through the foreman magnum, the hole in the back of the skull, and just remove all the matter you can. It will it will come out easy, and then you're going, going to want to uh, use, again, water pressure to finish cleaning that up. That's an easy way. Uh, some people soak them just to skull, and some people use Clorox. I don't recommend that. Because Clorox is a little bit acidic, right? And it will bind to the calcium in the skull and make those bones fall apart. But a better yeah. system is 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 going to be Purex, not Clorox, yeah. Purex, something mm-hmm. that's not that chlorine-based. And that will, a lot of people use that to whiten the skull without worrying about decalcifying it so it falls apart later. Sure, sure. You don't, you don't right. want to use a chlorine-based cleaning substance. But anything like that... I, I don't want to go to all that house, so I just I, I take a, a knife or whatever I'm using and remove everything I can, and then I use water pressure, and that will really clean it up. 
Yep, for sure, for sure. Uh, you know, this part of whether that venison is edible, when you bone your venison out, how do you bring it then? How do you how do you transport it to keep it safe? I mean, you've got a little drive from Kentucky to to uh, back to Missouri. We do. We do. You know, when I bone a deer out, I'm going to instantly put it in a cooler with some ice. So I'm not worried about water touching the meat. Some folks are. But when I get home, I trim up all my meat and remove any connective tissue, the silver stuff you see on individual muscles. And I take it down to the individual muscle. So I'm going to trim that brown off. Water kind of causes meat to brown up a little bit as I'm cleaning my meat up anyway. And these are thin slices, folks, you know, an eighth inch or less. I use a a sharp knife, like a flay knife, when I'm at that stage of processing and just trim all my meat up, and it's not an issue. So I just have a clean cooler, and I'm, I'm going to put the meat in there with some ice, keep plenty of ice, and drain the water off. You know, if you, you know, if you maybe you harvest a, day, a, a deer and your buddy's going to hunt another day or two, keep putting ice on there and, and drain that excess water off. Some people put a little salt in there. Uh, a little trick I've learned just for the taste of the meat is put a little vinegar in there. I don't know what it does. Don't ask me. Someone <laughs> suggested it to me, and I tried it. But put a little vinegar in there, and that'll keep your meat uh, really tasty and come home, trim it up, do your normal processing, and your family will enjoy it. Yeah, for sure. And I really ask that question about the water because I've heard people say, oh, man, don't let it sit in that water. It's going to ruin it. And uh, you've you've addressed that, and that uh, is so important. Just the last thing on CWD, and we'll move on. What's your greatest fear about chronic wasting disease? Uh, being ignored, absolutely being ignored. And I'll give you a perfect example. I was just uh, at a committee meeting. I worked with CWD some, uh, I guess, last summer out in Montana. And uh, the director of Montana's Game and Fish was there. And it was a panel-type discussion anyway. They said, well, you know, we don't think we have much of an issue. And another person on the panel said, well, you don't know you're not testing, very polite, this is a polite conversation. And that was correct. So since then, I guess it was two summers ago, they've started testing and they've found it in many more locations than they thought. So CWD is not something we could ignore. We need to all unite. You know, it's kind of a controversial subject. But we need hunters and agencies and politicians, everyone to unite and recognize this is an issue. It's not uncontrollable at this point. We need to be smart. We need to not transport live deer or the inappropriate deer parts, and we need to monitor and test when states ask you to test, comply. Missouri has a pretty big testing thing, uh, and that lets people know where it is and what they need to do to limit the spread in those areas, and, and we're just buying time for researchers to figure out the next step, because as long as we follow the protocol, again, like some states like Illinois and Missouri and a few other states, we can really limit its spread. And we're buying time. We're not solving it right now. We're just buying time for that next step. Great words. Shifting gears. Passion, I've oftentimes said, is the emotional gasoline that carries one to higher levels of success and achievement. Obviously, you have that passion about the whitetail, and it's carried you to such great achievements in, in the field in so many different ways. I've got to ask you, what is it about deer and deer hunting that trips your trigger? Ooh, you know, that's a, there's a lot of subjects there. And I think I've shared <laughs> this with you before, but just real briefly. When I was six years old in first grade, I was raised on a small farm with a poor family here in Missouri. 
and I had a little rabbit trap line. Didn't catch a lot of rabbits. But I had a little rabbit trap line. And one morning, I was running my line. You know, I imagined that I was in Yukon or something around a big trap line, and, and I found a female fawn. And there were no deer in the county, and I'd heard at the barber shop or something that deer were going to be restored. And I just thought, man, maybe I'll see a deer someday. And I found a fawn that a, a poacher had shot in one of our little fields and left. And ever since that day, I mean, that day, literally, I've just loved deer and and really dislike people that break game laws mm-hmm. and i just followed that passion it just grew and i think there was a real blessing in hindsight that i was raised in the ozarks rob you've been here a lot steve rocky wind swirls you know all fours no ag <laughs> hunting is very tough and so when you have to try really hard to achieve something it just builds that passion and I hunted for years before I tagged a deer, and I just, well, I never gave up. I just kept going, and then it became a career, and I still pass it. Still today, I mean, I have a food plot behind my house, and if me or my wife or one of the kids sees a deer, man, we all jump up and run to the door and look. I yep. have not lost that passion. I've never got to a state where someone says, well, there's a fawn, and I don't about break my neck looking. I mean, I'm, <laughs> yep. you know, I just love it. I love everything about deer. I love, I love deer hunters. Uh, I, I love the camaraderie and the social part of hunting is just really a huge part of who I am. Well said. I feel I share that with you. Well, look, that's going to take us to our next break. We return, going to continue our discussion of whitetails, this and a whole lot more coming right up. I'm Rob Keck, your host right here on Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us, and we will be right back. Years ago, sportsmen led the first revolt to save what was left of North America's dwindling wildlife resources, and it took purpose and commitment. This crusade began with Theodore Roosevelt's forming the Boone and Crockett Club in 1887. Since then, sportsmen and women have been at the forefront of every environmental revolution in this country, providing the vision, funding, and manpower to establish and run what has become the most successful system of wildlife management in the history of mankind. Yet to this day, our story remains relatively unknown, especially to those who don't hunt or fish. We must tell this story, but we need to do more than that. We must insist that others who claim to be conservationists but work tirelessly on campaigns to end all hunting honestly examine the evidence and then ask themselves where would the wildlife they cherish be without sportsmen's dollars and without sportsmen's efforts. Conservation had a beginning, but it has no end. To learn more, visit booneandcrocketclub.com. And welcome back to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. Thanks for joining us. And if you've just tuned in, we're talking with the host of Growing Deer TV, Redhead Pro Hunter, Dr. Grant Woods. Grant, earlier in the show, you talked about the limitations on processors this year uh, and getting venison processed. And, you know, many of the processors throughout the Whitetails range uh, are already reporting that uh, they won't accept deer this year because they're so far behind in handling cattle due to the COVID crisis. What's your advice on making deer processing plans here in 2020, fall of 2020? Yeah, yeah well, I, I agree 100%, Rob. I'm hearing the same things. You know, for years, I've used some Cabela's processing gear. We've got a grinder and a vacuum sealer and even a dehydrator so we can make jerky and obviously hamburger and sausage and all those things. I wouldn't wait. As a matter of fact, my wife and I are actually, I live at Branson, Missouri, so we're headed up Springfield, Missouri this evening, and we're going to stock up on some vacuum sealer bags and stuff. So we'll have plenty 
is I anticipate we're going to harvest between my family and I a lot of deer this fall. We want to be able to, you know, to store that meat process and store that meat appropriately. So just like processors may be a bottleneck, maybe some of the gear we use could be a bottleneck. So think ahead, have some sharp knives, get, you know, get your stones out, have you sharpen knives, start sharpening knives, have a place to clean, have some Clorox spray or spray or something to clean countertops. We, we process in our kitchen, folks. This is not, you know, oh my gosh, a, a chainsaw <laughs> bath or something like that. This is easy. The meat's already deboned. It's in a cooler. It's just like, you know, bringing a steak home, except better. And and we're going to process and everybody just chips in and it goes quickly. And, and Tracy, my wife, this is another part of planning. We'll say, okay, this year we want so many roasts or boy, we need a little bit more ground meat. We went through a lot of ground meat last year. We need some more ground meat. Kind of have a plan. And recipes, Bass Pro's recipes, we have recipes on growing deer that are just Tracy's recipes. These are anything fancy. This is actually how my family prepares venison. So have some recipes in mind, uh, and but make sure you have the appropriate tools to process. And it can be as simple, folks, literally, if you're just starting out as deboning and then taking the connective tissue off. And you can make steaks really easy. Roasting steaks are so easy. Because the muscles in a deer aren't so large, not like, you know, a 2,000-pound cow. So roast and steaks are super easy, and that's an easy starting point. Well, one question that comes up, do you leave the bone in, or do you debone all of your meat when freezing your venison? Years ago, when I was in college, and, you know, I had a refrigerator freezer, right, not not a big unit. I started deboning then just because of limited space, and I've always deboned since then. Even before CWD was a term I was familiar with, I just deboned out of necessity to conserve freezer space, and I still do that to today. Now, I think, you know, a bone-in steak or whatever is fine. But given CWD, now if you're you know you're hunting on your grandma's back forty close to home, there's no big deal with bringing that bone home. No big deal at all. So it's really a preference. But for us, my, my both my daughters are in college now, Rob, and I mean they're taking venison back to, to their little apartment there at college. So we go through a lot of venison. So again, we're still <laughs> conserving freezer space, so we're taking all the bones out. Yep. Well, we do too. One of the things that I do here, I've got a walk-in cooler and like to age my meat. So talk to us about aging it as opposed to cutting it up and just putting it in the freezer right away. Yeah, I, I think that's a little bit of a personal choice. And if you have access to that freezer, boy, there's nothing wrong with aged meat. That can be really fine. But don't I, I fear some people think, well, gosh, I can't age it. This, this is not going to be good. I've had a lot of cases where, I, you know, I hunted that morning. Oh, honey, I'm going to slide one honey in. I've got to go speak somewhere this afternoon. And I harvest a deer, and I know I'm going to be gone for an extended period of time. So we hustle up and get it processed. And i got to tell you, that's not bad venison coming out of the freezer. So if you have an opportunity <laughs> to age it appropriately, I think that's a great plan. If you're kind of a bit in a hurry and you get it taken care of, trim it up really well. I think the problem a lot of people do when they home process venison is they do not remove all the silver shiny stuff to connective tissue. And that's a source mm -hmm. of making meat tough and also some of that wild taste some people don't prefer. So trim your yep. meat up. And I think either way of processing will provide a, a great meal. When you vacuum seal, and you mentioned you're going to get some more vacuum seal mm -hmm. material tonight, 
How long can you keep a piece of deer meat in the freezer? I know around here it doesn't it doesn't go from year to year, but uh, how long can you keep it? I, I can't say I've ever tested that, Rob. It doesn't hang on that long here either. But, you know, <laughs> read the studies, guys. They say three years or whatever. I, I, I'm sure I've never had a piece of venison three years ever, but um, I think in quite a while. I will say this because early on, uh, before I had a vacuum sealer, I would wrap in butcher paper. And I will say this, vacuum sealing certainly keeps the meat better than butcher paper if it's in the freezer longer than a few weeks. I mean, I'm a big, big fan of vacuum sealing. Big fan. Yeah, me too. Me too. And and I date it. Do you date yours as well? I, man, I, 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 I'm a little, I guess it's just kind of a family thing we have going on. We draw smiley faces or put the name. You know, my, one of my daughter's name is Ray, you know, Ray's Doe from, you know, the Oak Ridge or whatever it is. We we put all kind of information, but we absolutely date it. We do. Yeah, absolutely. Recipes. You know, you mentioned about Bass Pro having good recipes and your wife's recipes. My wife made one last night that I am just crazy about. And she actually takes turkey breast, small chunks, but mm-hmm. also then takes venison. Mm-hmm. And uh, we just have it in small chunks also. Some people call it stew meat. And uh, mm-hmm. makes stir-fry. And, man, i tell you mm. what, it is just one of my favorites. A little teriyaki sauce on there and wild rice. And, uh, anyway, there's so many different recipes from taking a whole loin and marinating and putting it on the grill. What's your favorite? Man, I got to tell you, my wife makes a dish called venison pozzoli. If you've ever had pozzoli, this is venison pozzoli. (laughs) And bragging on my wife, but every time I take that to hunting camp, that big dish always comes home lick clean. I mean, it's just, (laughs) everyone loves it. And it's kind of an Italian dish. Got some other things in there, but the way the meat is seasoned and prepared. And again, it's kind of a chunky meat, almost like a stew meat with some beans and stuff in there. Man, is it good. I'm, I'm excited thinking about it. Man, i got to get that recipe from you. Well, look, we got to take our final break. And uh, we return, going to talk a lot more about deer and deer hunting with one of the icons of the whitetail world, Dr. Grant Woods. This and a whole lot more coming right up. I'm Rob Keck, and you're listening to Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. And we will be right back. Embrace the rustic elegance of a bygone era at Big Cedar Lodge. Located 10 miles south of Branson, Missouri, Big Cedar Lodge is a masterpiece that brings together natural beauty and contemporary luxury. Visitors are invited to explore and experience some of the most popular amenities here. At Big Cedar Lodge, you'll find casual dining options in an unparalleled atmosphere with signature dishes and local favorites highlighting classic menu items. Take in spectacular views at Devil's Pool, live entertainment at the Buzzard Bar, or relax at Truman Coffee and Cafe, all surrounded by the natural ambiance of the Ozark Mountains. One of the newest additions to the property is Cedar Creek Spa. This 18,000-square-foot world-class spa is a private oasis with soothing pools, fireplaces, and a full-service salon. In addition to the complete spa experience, there are private suites available. All of these features make Big Cedar an ideal destination for weddings, corporate gatherings, and more. Families have been visiting Big Cedar Lodge for generations, looking to experience what many call a little piece of heaven on earth. 
To learn more, visit BigCedar.com or call 1-800-BC-LODGE. And welcome back to our final segment of Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, and we're privileged today to have with us the host of Growing Deer TV, Redhead Pro Hunting Team member, and just an all-around good guy, Dr. Grant Woods. Well, Grant, September is Tree Stand Safety Month. I've got to ask you, do you use a safety harness when you climb? And if you do, what type? Man, yeah. Tell us about it. Yeah, I'm 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 serious about tree stand safety, folks. I, I matter of fact, I, I often tell people the biggest trophy you can bring home from any hunt is yourself safely. That's the yep. biggest trophy you can bring back. So you can go enjoy the great outdoors another day. Um, so yes, yeah, so we we use a, a safe line that's con, you know connected above the stand all the way to the ground, and we're clipped in. I, I tell my guys I hunt with, I love y'all, but if I see you climbing. One step off the ground without being clipped in, our relationship as far as hunting partners is over because that's just it's just a, such an unwise thing to do. So we use a safe line that we're tethered to or clipped into with our harness all the way to the tree. And then if we get up there and we're using a you know a different rope or something for more flexibility, movability, we're going to leave that safe line clip on while we clip into the other line and then take the safe line off. So a lot of times the lead on safe line is pretty short and may limit your ability to draw a bow or something. So, But we're clipped in 100% of the time. You know, you could, for whatever reason, lose your balance or the equipment could fail or the tree could fail. That's happened. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, guys, there's just no need. These These products are omnipresent and there's many more and, and tree stand accidents are just you know they're just guys there's no need for them to happen no there isn't in fact i'm getting a little promo for next week's show i'm going to have uh uh the president of the tree stand safety awareness foundation uh glenn mayhew is going to be with us and we're also going to have two uh hunters that fell both of them from missouri and in both cases, it was equipment failure, the stand. And uh, they're going to tell their harrowing story, and you won't want to miss that. So make sure you tune in just to listen mm-hmm. to, to the stories that these guys have. Well, changing stands with changing food sources throughout the season. Just quickly, tell us about that. How, you know, you've got a stand that you're in here the, the 1st of September, but by the middle of September, white oaks may be falling that weren't falling before. What? What? Tell us about how you do that with changing food sources. How often do you check? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, I want to spend more time scouting, even though I live on the property where I hunt most of the time than I do hunting. And because if you're not in that pinch point, I'm just call it call a pinch point. You know, I'm, I like to bow hunt within 30 yards or so where I think the deer is going to be. It's it's a great outing, but I'm not going to bring you venison home. So uh, I'm constantly moving. I'm always thinking about food, cover, and water. And which one's the most limited at that time? We in Missouri, where I live, are nine inches behind normal. Lord did not bring us any rain. So ponds are a pretty hot spot right now. Creeks mm-hmm. are dry. You know, little springs are dry. Ponds are a pretty hot spot. That could change with one giant thunderstorm. So you really need to be tuned in to the best sources of food cover water and which one's most limited where you hunt one of the questions that oftentimes comes up is can you overhunt a stand and you know there's no doubt that deer can begin to pattern hunters or detect their regular presence at a stand 
oftentimes making them become nocturnal. How often do you hunt a stand? Uh, do you do you hunt it several days in a row? Do you alternate every day? What's the strategy that you employ? I, I don't use a specific time frame. Rather, I hunt stands when the conditions are right for me not to alert deer. Mm-hmm. So if I've got a consistent wind, you know, for four days in a row, and I feel I can approach hunt next without alerting deer, I'm fine to hunt it four days in a row. If I get busted really bad, it's not just that deer, but that deer is going to put some scent out that says, be cautious around here. I got really scared here, so to speak. You know, or if the wind shifts, even though I've only hunted it once, or I haven't even hunted it that year, but the wind is wrong for that stand, it's it's better to give that stand a pass and go somewhere else. Yeah. Well, there's a lot of uh, new innovations in stands, uh, some of these quick attach uh, with ladder stands. What What's your favorite kind of stand to to use and of course every situation can can require one stand or another if you had one to pick what would you know i yeah i i I use those quick attach stands as i get older so you know they're a little lighter it's a lot easier to heft that thing up the tree so i like that Uh, i like ladder stands in some situations and i'm not opposed to ground blinds goodness ground blinds Mm -hmm. can be perfect and hide a lot of movement maybe you're taking a younger hunter or just me so I, I can't say I really have a favorite, but I will say this. I think just from being, you know, my boyhood hunting days, I really feel like I'm part of the environment when I'm up a tree about 18 or 20 feet. And I'm looking around, those leaves are falling, maybe, you know, the colors are showing. I, that's just, uh, you know, the perfect image of hunting for me is being up in that tree and hearing some acorns fall and some leaves falling. That's That's what I associate with a really, really memorable hunt yep well we're just about out of time quickly tell us about growing deer tv how they can find the show and uh where and how they can find uh, the next airing hey you know we we put a show out every week uh 52 weeks a year and just growing deer anywhere whether you're googling or whatever it's of course on growingdeer.com youtube bass pro syndicates it every week and all the streaming apps, Apple, Roku, Amazon, probably forgetting some. Uh, if you just put growing deer in whatever you're watching, you'll probably find it. There you go. Last 10 seconds. Give us a final thought for the beginning of this season. You know, remember what we said earlier. Every hunt you come home safely is a great hunt. Don't get bogged up and I didn't kill a big deer or, you know, or Johnny killed a bigger deer. Enjoy those precious moments out in creation. Well said. Send me some pictures from Kentucky, and good luck this fall. Thanks for being with us today. Congratulations on all of your achievements in the whitetail world and all that you're going to be doing for the future of deer and deer hunting. Folks, that's going to wrap it up here in Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World. I'm Rob Keck. On behalf of Bass Pro Shops, where your adventure always starts right here. Thanks for answering the call. That call to conservation and preserving our rich hunting, fishing, and trapping heritage. We'll see you next week. This has been Bass Pro Shops Outdoor World, talking all things outdoors, brought to you by Bass Pro Shops, your outdoor leader. Join us next Saturday and every Saturday for more special guests and unique locations. 